Welcome to the One Speed MMA Podcast with yours truly, Flying Smitty. Carson Wood. Back with another one. Uh, lots to talk about and not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, one thing we missed last week that you wanted to talk about that we did not touch on was Stipe Miocic not letting Dana White put his belt on, mm. on him when he won. So, yeah, it's kind of, it was, it was weird because I'm totally into having your own do it and because they're the ones that brought you there and, and, but the the thing I kind of agree with Chell on, and kind of, I've listened to him after this whole week when he kind of went in on it. Um, I just don't agree with people like arguing about their contracts after the fact. He, another one that he actually started talking about was Cyborg. We'll get into that one later, where she was saying that she has to be put on a big card. Did you hear that whole thing? Uh, Her and Amanda either. have to be put on a big card to make sure that Amanda's points kick in. And uh, and it's like, well, you don't like you don't get to say that you're such a big draw that you deserve more money, but I can't bring in enough money or enough views to get more money. That's what Chell is saying. And it's and kind you of this, also have to fight in Brazil. Yeah. Well, which is fine if they're two Brazilians, but, um, can't make Brazilians happy. That's what I've learned talking to Danny super mad about the DC Stipe fight. And then he doesn't want to see the two Brazilian women fight. And I'm like, what, why? That's another one of like Amanda wants to fight. She's asking for it. And there's no other, div- the, nobody else in that yeah. division. Cause who, who did he say should fight? He didn't have any. Well, for the Stipe Daniel fight, it was he thinks Verdum should. Um, I, uh, I guess that kind of makes sense. Except for I think he lost to. He got starched by Stipe in the first round, and he lost to Reem, who beat right, who also lost to Stipe. Yeah. Um, and he's only beat like Tybura and one other guy. But as far as like the whole, I deserve more money, and him having a problem with everybody else, like all the challengers getting more money than him. I mean, you signed the contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if that's how you want it, it's like, no, well, so I should be getting paid more than the people that are challenging me. The thing is they have their contracts too. So what you're saying essentially is I should be making more than them. So give me somebody with a shittier contract, but then you're also not going to get paid as much if you're getting uh, belt points from what I understand. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, and he should have renegotiated as soon as he won the belt and he should have renegotiated high enough. Uh, I don't think the UFC is obligated to do that, though. As far as I understood, as soon as you want a belt, they usually try and usually. renegotiate your, your contract. Usually, but... And so, Stipe... I mean, it's one of the things we discussed earlier today. There's people that will ask for more, and there was people that just want to go and do their job and have them and be reciprocated for what they feel they deserve. And does that's it, not how life works. Does it make sense, though, to renegotiate after you've become champion at heavyweight? Because usually it's all based on how much you're bringing in during your... Uh, you get the pay-per-view points for the, the pay-per-view. Your rise to the top, right? Right. Well, and you get the, I think you get a percentage of the pay-per-view based yeah. on what you bring in, but where their shelf life up until Stipe of being the champion is so short, you maybe get less if you don't have the belt, and then you get more if you have the belt, but you lose the belt so quickly, maybe it doesn't make sense for them. I have to, no to idea. To renegotiate when you might have it only for two fights. Well, Nagano was bringing in a lot of eyes. That was the other thing that Chell brought up, is he was saying is Dana White actually a genius because he knows that his guy right now doesn't bring in that many pay-per-views. He kind of sees long-term. And so all he's doing is hyping this guy, hyping, 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 knowing all along that if Stipe wins, all of a sudden he's a household name and you get two stars Mm -hmm. for the price of one. And he's like, it's, if that's what he did intentionally, it's kind of genius because now you have you can build the best heavyweight of all time going against an undefeated heavyweight that dropped down and took Mm -hmm. and got the, uh, the light heavyweight, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why for me, going into kind of the Stipe uh, Cormier fight, it's the perfect super fight. It's somebody that's been there before and has been undefeated, dropped down, got a belt, and it actually makes sense. Do you feel like it do you feel like it makes sense to the casual fan? You think the casual fan cares about D C versus Stipe? The casual fans we know care about heavyweights, period. Yeah, and they care about belt versus belt. Because, like we talked about with Paul last week, and if you haven't listened to that podcast, it's actually really interesting to get Paul's take because he's not an MMA fan. Um, but him saying, you know, looking at a, a billboard with a, a champ versus champ is much more interesting than, you know, anything else. It piques his interest even if he has no idea what's going on. Well, which and I if never s- thought would matter. Well, and if you just put, you don't have to give context to it, but think of the casual fan if you put um, undefeated heavyweight against the best heavyweight of all time mm-hmm. and they both have belts and all of a sudden they're yeah it's peaked which i mean i'm not so 
even I think it, it works on that level, but then it should even work for the hardcore fans. Do you not want to see this? Like everybody was oh, no. super excited about seeing Jones, but we have somebody that could beat everybody he's come up against mm-hmm. except for Jones. He's been there before. Is that not also as like a diehard? Is that not compelling to you? Am I interested in this fight? Yes. Am I like clamoring and like doing everything I can to make this fight happen? No. Is this more exciting than than Stipe fighting for Doom or Stipe fighting uh, Reem again? Absolutely. Is it the best thing to do to let the the rest of like all we all we discuss and all we complain about is people holding up divisions? Mm-hmm. But if there's two divisions that need to be held up so for people to figure out what's going on, it's light heavyweight and it's heavyweight. And that's kind of why it's genius too. To that exact point, mm-hmm. you're right. Um, Cormier is gone in yep. twelve months. Maybe less. I think if he wins this belt, he's probably gone. Unless Jones comes back. Because he did... I think everybody's missing when he had this interview about it. He he left a slight door open to come back. Essentially, it's if I fight Jones yep. again, I'll come back. I think he fights Gustafson. He might. I, mean, I agree with that. I don't think... If he wins, I don't think he does. Because he wants to go out on top. He's beat Gustafson already. Um, and this is kind of like his big last hurrah. He gets to do the ultimate fighter. And then they have their fight in International Fight Week. Regardless, win, lose, or draw, he could still leave with a belt. He could either, maybe leave with two, and he's out. On, and if he doesn't, he's out on his shield. And he he accomplished everything in the sport that we would think that he could. Like, can you imagine if he like seeing him coming over from Strike Force? We're like, man, he might make a run for the heavyweight belt. We never thought he might have one of the greatest rivalries in MMA, dropping down to light heavyweight. Like, he's he's kind of perfect for the sport. I understand that people don't love him, and he's not my favorite fighter. He's not my favorite fighter, but he's one of my favorite personalities. Yeah, like he he is batting way above what everybody thought his average yep. would be. But I mean, if you've if you've made it to an Olympic level wrestling or Olympic level any sport other than something where I don't know, it's not that difficult curling, um, something like that. Like I can understand that you're going to have the dedication and the will to become the best in something because you've done it in one section of your life, and you should be able to find some kind of program that also with time and dedication helps you get to the other side of that. And I mean, there is just strength and timing and speed and and things like that. that go into MMA that you can't train, you know, like Anderson Silva being on top as long as he was, that was just natural athleticism that put him, you know, half a step above everybody else. And so I love DC. He's one of my favorites. His fights as of late, I think have been a little bit boring. Um, Which fights? So his, his last fight, I enjoyed because it was he, you had to be worried about him getting knocked out. But then as soon as he got the takedown, I didn't think he was going to crucifix it and be done. I thought he was going to have to hold him down for five rounds. That so I'm glad that that he first round it. was one of the most exciting we've seen in a while. Well, because he was on his toes, right? With him and John Jones, that was awesome. That that fight was one of my favorites, both one and two, but especially two because DC was winning, and then Jones came back with the head kick. But him against him against Brock Lesnar wasn't that exciting. Who against um, Lesnar? No, nah, sorry, against Anderson Silva. Sorry, that's, DC versus that's really Silva the, wasn't that exciting. That's really the only one I can think of, though. Oh, uh, I just, I could be wrong. Johnson, it's, Gustafson was uh, super yeah, close. No, yeah, Johnson. Yeah, uh, um, no, I take that back. I, I really the only one that I think has been una- not really exciting was was to your credit, Anderson Silva. Um, no, yeah, no, I I have misspoke because even a lot of his heavyweight fights, maybe I'm going back to the Strike Force, you know where he wrestled his way through it. I think if you go back and look, he hasn't really gone up against too many wrestlers, though. I'm kind of interested yeah. to see him against a heavyweight wrestler that can box. I I think this fight is, for the timing, I don't think I think this is a home run for the UFC. I don't think yeah. they could have done a super fight that's better, that's compelling, and I could actually make a case for both sides. Um, and like you said, both divisions need to be held up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really, I mean... There's really not much going on outside of of Stipe Naganu, right? Naganu's going to take some time off, and I think that he deserves it. I mean, he fought, what, like almost two to three times a year? I mm-hmm. mean, when you knock people out in the first <laughs> round, it's not difficult to do. I mean, it's always difficult to do that, but not as difficult as like... I think he needs to go back to France. I think he's they had him at the Institute, and he's loved that, but he does kind of need to go back to France and decompress maybe. Um, I was also going to ask, speaking of wrestlers, did you listen to the Ben Askren and Joe Rogan podcast? No. That one was way interesting. 
Ben Askren's one of those guys that I don't like, and I don't know why I don't like him. Yeah, I think you should watch this. I think you'll like it a little bit I know more. it's partly because he's a UFC anti-shill, right? And he's always like, well, the UFC doesn't want the best of the best because they won't, they won't let me in. Well, his story on that is actually pretty interesting because he had contact with the UFC, and they told him that he should let Bellator know that he was leaving, and they did, and he did. And so Bellator, um, they let him out of his contract, and then the UFC said, we're not going to take you. And so he had to go to one. Because he was boring. He wrestled his way through But they everything. told him, they yeah. told him, well, get out of your contract and you have a spot with us. Yeah, that's jacked. And then, and so he came out and he started talking heat on Dana and, and he's like, I mean, I would, but more interesting was him talking about the wrestling side and why wrestlers are so much more successful than any other one. And I'll have to makes, listen to it, but give me a synopsis. So essentially wrestling, they essentially have competitions a thousand times a year. And in no other discipline do they do that. There's no way to grade yourself. Um, you can't do a thousand fights in Muay Thai. You can't do or jujitsu. It's more, hey, here's a technique. You do it for five minutes, and then the fun part is rolling. And so he's like, we won. We do one thing for like three hours, and you try to get out of it. And it's just this one little technique, and you do that for three hours, and then you move to the next thing. And then when we have a competition, you're wrestling tons of people. And so he was talking about how you get really good at it and you can see adversity. And then him talking about why you can see wrestlers that become good at striking and you don't see it the other way is because of how much they grind and they have to learn. Mm. And it, it's, it's a super interesting one. I'd definitely recommend it to anybody. It's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me with BJJ or just jujitsu and, and wrestling and how there is such a huge difference in levels of both where you can have someone that's a you know a level one black belt and a level five black belt and it's night and day when they both go to the ground or with like wrestling you know you can have someone that was an olympic level against a d1 or a d1 against a d2 wrestler and it's a night and day difference between who is the better wrestler and it was inter- well, it's interesting to me, too, because he was talking about how we've kind of ironed out what works like pretty solidly. And, and I've talked about this uh, probably six months ago that I think there's going to be ebb and flows to it. But he's under the impression that jujitsu, unless you have top control, is almost worthless. He's like, you don't see people get submitting off their back anymore. Not as much, but you do see it. The triangle choke is almost obsolete. What else can um, you do from their Kimura arm bar? But usually you want to get the arm bar from... Um, it's pretty rare that you get it. The the go arm, back. Who who's the guy that did the arm triangle, the underneath arm triangle? He <laughs> there was heavyweights, and he arm trialed him. He, he wrapped him up and he choked him out from on the bottom. But no, you're right. I um, mean, you see Damian Maya's and some other people that sometimes will submit from the bottom. Maya doesn't submit though. from the bottom. Well, he hasn't in a long time. But he that's has. the thing is we've kind of ironed it out. Like, and now we kind of know. And I, and yeah. this is my opinion is. People are going to get so comfortable with it. They're not going to, tr- they're like, we know what works against it. And then they're going to kind of forget about um, getting a good defense from the bottom. And then you're start seeing people get submitted again. But as of right now, it's, you don't really see it. And he, and he thinks that's kind of here to stay. You're going to see more of the, the Khabib kind of wrestling where whoever is better at taking you down, they are going to control the fight. Yeah. But very interesting podcast. I'd recommend it. I know. I've got to listen to it. The, the thing about that, though, is there's always going to be outliers, right? It's like the standing guillotine, where we joke about if you get if you get beat by a standing guillotine, you're not very good. He does and, give some of the outliers, like Brian Ortiz. He's like he can submit you off his back. Yeah, Brian Ortega. Yeah, excuse yeah. me, Brian Ortega. And then you look at uh, John Jones, who standing guillotined Leota Machida, who was unstoppable at that time. Mm-hmm. He had yeah. I mean, he had the height, and he had the leverage, and he had a lot of different things. He had the cage, and he dazed yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, so, but I mean, it was one of those things, like, just as outlier, like, you, no one gets standing guillotine. Like, you're awful if you do. Mm. And, then, and then Jones did it. And I mean, you see it, or like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there are always outliers. But um, one of the things I actually want to discuss discussing wrestling, did you see the Andre Feely, Dennis Bermudez fight? Mm-mm. I didn't see the, any fights this weekend. Oh, but so you, but you did watch the, the Brunson getting knocked out. So which I watched, was amazing, by the way. I watched some of the undercard, not all of it. Um, I missed like the Bectic fight, which made me sad. I saw the Kish versus Kim fight. I saw the end of the Pichel fight. Like, this is actually a really good f- the card. And I started a lot earlier than it usually did at one p.m. And I wish I would have known because I would have watched the entire thing or the up to the 
the main card when in which I left. But uh, like Nico Price, I like I love watching Nico Price, and he was one of the main ones, and he mm-hmm. ended up winning. But um, getting back into the, the Andre Feely versus Dennis Bermudez, these guys are both grapplers. Um, Andre Feely had like one of the like, Dennis Bermudez really isn't anymore. No, he has the the most amount of takedowns in featherweight. Okay, fair. He, he has the record, and I only know that because they announced it before the fight started. And I think Feely had the best takedown defense or something to that effect, right? It was like, but I mean, Feely trains at Alpha Male, and Dennis Bermudez is known as being one of the, the most prolific takedown artists in the featherweight division. And they couldn't. There's be- somebody that got submitted from the other person on their back okay. versus Brandau. Yeah, the armbar. Yeah. Um, so long story short, Bermudez tried to take down Feely a lot, but it was a difference in size, right? Feely's five eleven, and, and Dennis Bermudez, uh, Dennis Bermudez is five six, and so Bermudez kept trying to get him against the fence and take him down, but he couldn't, right? Because his legs were too long, he just kept one leg down, and then Feely started timing Bermudez's kicks eating the kick and then taking him down. So he got two takedowns. I think it was three in total. No, it was two takedowns and a, and a reversal. The only time Bermudez could take him down. But the only reason this fight was, I mean, it was good because their striking was decent. But the best reason to watch this fight, it was, it was two high-level grapplers trying to out-grapple one another um, while standing. And every time someone would take someone down or toss somebody, like judo toss them, they, there was an immediate reversal. And whoever was thrown or whoever was in the, the subordinate position would immediately turn it to the dominant position. And it was, it was a really, really fun fight. Um, Feely won by decision. I don't remember if it was unanimous or split, but it was, uh, it was a really good fight. And I think Feely's got a lot of, a lot ahead of him. I mean, he's been knocked out a couple of times in his last couple of fights, but he's, he's one of those guys that I really enjoy watching every time he fights. Speaking of uh, tough finalists, guess what I watched again? Top Brazil three, yeah, I freaking love it. I so amazing. Speaking of top, and I don't want di- to digress or go back. Why are they having DC and Stipe coach Tough first? Like I understand, but like that doesn't draw me into watching Tough. I don't care about Tough anymore. And they're pulling out all the stops to try and get it to work. I kind of want to see DC. I think they're trying to get a new another deal. DC's going to be a great coach. Stipe seems to me like he's a company man, like he does what his coaches say. But I don't imagine him being a coach. Oh, no, that's, I, I want to see it strictly for DC. I think DC is going to be an amazing coach. Oh, yeah. Um, but, no, yeah, I probably won't watch it. Um, I think what they want to do is they want to get ratings up to either try to get a new Fox deal or to get another network being like, this is what we bring to the table. Speaking of the Fox deal, this card did worse. This is the lowest viewed uh, UFC on Fox card to date. And they're renegotiating their deal. And I feel like putting Souza, Brunson, Bermudez, Feely, Rinaldi, Gillespie, Dober, Camacho. I like this card. It was a fun card from top to bottom. A lot of finishes, most of them, especially on you know the main card. Well, except for Dober and Camacho, and they got fight of the night. And I haven't watched it yet. I've been looking for highlights, and I haven't been able to find them. But I feel like the UFC knew that this wasn't going to bring a ton of eyes to Fox. I mean... The last, the, I think, one of the highest viewed was DC versus or, or uh, Johnson versus Bader, and that makes sense, right? That's going to be guaranteed violence, and you put it on Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, the UFC on Fox, I believe, had Kane at one point. He headlined one of the fights on Fox, like one of the first ones. So I don't know if they just know that the deal's over, or are just trying to be like, I mean, or they knew that they were going to have to compete with you know another sport because. Uh, the, the Warriors game ended up getting almost 2 million more viewers and the UFC was second um, in viewership for the demographics they were in. But I'm just, I'm very confused at what the UFC is doing right now. I think uh, Hawani and Chill maybe were talking about this. Um, everybody was like, they well, they're like, I, I can't believe nobody's talking about this. Jay Glazer being at the Bellator card. Yeah. Um, covering that. Yeah. I thought that was super weird. I didn't think he was with Fox anymore. That's what I thought happened. They were like, hey, he's with Fox. Oh, he's still with Fox? From what I understand. See, yeah. I, I didn't know why he was there either. I was super confused. By it. I just knew that they got rid of Jimmy Smith. So I figured maybe they were bringing in Glazer to take over for Smith, which is also weird, right? Because they get rid of Goldberg. Goldberg goes to Bellator. They get, Bellator gets rid of Smith. UFC immediately picks up Jimmy Smith. Like, none of it makes sense. 
it seems like it's like high school squabbles as compared to actual business. Well, on that front, right? It, it, like the fighters didn't it, when they pick up fighters, they don't really. Well, no, that yeah, that's very different. But like the announcers, it like they, I didn't. If I thought they were going to bring in a big name for announcing, that's why I was like, meh, Goldberg leaving. But everybody that they've gotten, like as far as like, I don't like John Anik any more than yeah. any more than uh, Goldberg. Like, I, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me since they did, ended up not making any moves for any big names or anything like that. Um, I like some of the fighter ones that have done it. Like I love Dan Hardy. If he, it could be Dan Hardy and Joe Rogan or Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan. I like Dan Hardy more cause he's more exciting. I'm cool with it. Everything else doesn't make any sense. I feel like Anik was more, it is more of a sounding board. He comes in off of a five card win streak. J- Joe, what do you think about that? That's then, why I don't like him. And then Joe talks about his last five wins and why they're so important. Like I, I know his place. And Mike Goldberg, Mike Goldberg had, I think, more to say because he had been in it for longer. I mean, obviously, he said the same things over and over again, and sometimes he was wrong and people were hard on him. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like Anik is there to throw softballs to DC or, or Cruz or Rogan. He's there, he's there to do just soundboarding. He's the one talking when everyone else is enjoying the fights. He's the one throwing softballs to give other people to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, he's good at it. Right, Anik. Yeah, he's I think good. Goldberg was good enough at it. I don't think Anik's any greater of a. I think he does. Goldberg. Goldberg was highly involved. Anik is literally there just to to give people other things to talk about. Like he does say things. They all have earpieces. Just have stats. somebody in the back doing it. I guess that's true. They all have earpieces. Like. Hmm. No, I mean, I guess that's that true. was kind of a weird digression. I don't know how we went from all those fights to tough to this. Um, I, I we've talked about it before, and I still agree that I don't understand getting rid of Goldberg necessarily. I'm fine with it. Like I, don't, I wasn't married to it. It wasn't like the Stitch fiasco. I mean, but McCarthy also going over to Bellator. Bellator right now is that's more. I think McCarthy being proactive. He wants he's yeah. he's built up his Twitter. Yep. Like he's been very good doing the Ask AMAs. Big John, yep, yeah, and I, I think that's more the UFC didn't have a spot for him and. Bellator did. I know because he's doing the post fights, right? I think Scott Coker is really good at growing new businesses. He did great with Strikeforce. He's doing awesome with Bellator. I don't think he's good at maintaining businesses. I think that's where Dana White really Carlo Ancelotti. That's exactly. He's the he's the regime changer. Yeah, and so I think I think Dana White is really good at maintaining business and being the good guy when he needs to and being the bad guy when he needs to. And I think Scott Coker, people turn on Coker a lot faster than they turn on Dana White for whatever reason, or at least it feels that way. And so I like him a lot, by the way, every interview that I watch, I really like him. He kind of like, not to be rude, but like looked weird to me. I was like, man, I don't trust that guy. But every interview I've seen with him, I've I've actually, he seems a little shady, but then you realize the Fertitas and Dana White are totally shady, but they just play it off like they're normal people. He's pretty open with his interviews and he does just seem like a big fan. Yeah. Um, like I watched uh from nine months ago when Chell was on it, and then it's immediately followed by Coker. Like, uh, Chell starts calling Dana White on the on the broadcast on the MMA Hour, and Hawani was like, "We have Coker, we have Coker coming up next," and he's like, "Coker won't care," and he didn't. He like just came on and just shot the shit like they normally would. Like, yeah, I kind of I I want success in Bellator. Mm-hmm. I want a good alternative to the UFC. Um, that's not to say that I think the UFC shit or anything like that, but I, I mean, competition's only yep. is only good. Only that's why we're all excited product. for the XFL. <laughs> but so Coker, the other thing that speaks volumes of Coker, when Bellator wasn't run by Coker and it was run by whatever the other weird dude's name was that everyone ended up hating at the end. Um, and I can't even remember what his name was, but long story short, all the strike force guys are fine to go back and work for Coker and work with Coker and under Coker. Like Larkin which, wants out, which says a lot. Yeah. And so does Paul Daly. Oh no, that's what it was. Daly, not Larkin. It was Daly. No, yeah. I was going to say Larkin just went over. No, you were just, right. And he just won. But yeah, but I mean, there's always going to be somebody, right? The same with, uh, Brown, not Brown. And, uh, the dude that came over, Will Brooks, Will Brooks. He hasn't done well in the UFC and he really wanted out of Bellator as well. But I think that they don't. I think Bellator pays worse than the UFC, and those guys that are building their own names aren't aren't handed anything. Like Roy McDonald had to come in and actually fight his way up. Like 
Bader got a shot at the belt. Those type of things, Phil Davis. Like, but those a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys are going back over there because they get more money on their sponsorship deals. So it's weird to see people go both ways. And Morales coming from WSOF. See the cryptocurrency? Yeah. Dash? Dash. And so, I mean, yeah, it's great that you can actually leave one and go over to the other one and potentially succeed. And it's not, It's great for Bellator that people are going to the UFC, leaving the UFC, going over there, and they're not just dominating. You know, mm-hmm. Lorenz Larkin lost his first fight. Mm-hmm. Rory McDonald looked good, and he ended up winning dominantly. But the first couple rounds, it was it was kind of shaky. Henderson lost to Chandler, like, and then he lost to Korshchov too. Like, a lot of, and that's not because Henderson's done or his career was, you know, he'd already peaked, et cetera, et cetera. It's just the fact that those guys are legitimate fighters, and. Given the chance, yeah, they would come over to the UFC if the the price was right. But good for Bellator, and you know, we always talk about this. There's more strike force champ. There were more ex strike force champions for a time in the UFC than there were UFC fighters, mm-hmm. like born and bred and groomed UFC fighters. So there's other organizations, and there's other fighters, and there's other levels of competition that can. There's levels directly. to this. Yep. Ostamir. Oh, it's Demir. There's levels. Um, I don't know. It's I, I actually, we talked about it last week again with Paul. I actually think what they're doing with the heavyweights to build everybody else because they have legitimate stars. I like it. Um, I think it's going to be good for them, and I hope the best success because um, there is there is a spot for them. Um, what else we want to talk about as far as what's if, going on this if, week? If anything, they're going to become just more and more of competition. They're already... I believe becoming more and more competition. Yeah, uh, Souza versus Brunson. So we watched the highlights of this. Um, the Souza deserved. So he knocked him out in the first, dominantly chased him down, viciously punching him. Brunson said it might have been an early stoppage, but it wasn't. Souza looked mean, mean, mean. Um, do you think he deserves the next title fight at one eighty five? Given you know, it, right now it's Yoel versus Rockhold for depends on what happens with Whitaker. Whitaker should come back. Then it's got to be Whitaker and whoever wins. What they should do, uh, see, and we don't know how long Whitaker is going to be out. Mm-hmm. But Whitaker versus Rockhold, Yoel versus Souza again, and then that one again for a number one contender. But I think Yoel might still win that fight because his his wrestling dominated Souza. But I like one eighty five. One eighty five is exciting, and I'm glad that they're. They're continuing to make fights even outside of Whitaker. I just wish they weren't always like, oh, and here's a belt, and here's a belt. But then you talk to Paul, and you talk to the casuals, and you realize if there's no belt on the line, then you really have no sell. And then you watch cards like this that are like good cards for free, but for casuals, they're like, ah, there's not a belt on the line? Nah, I'm not really concerned about watching it then. But the problem is, is there's not always going to be a belt on the line. You can't use that as a crutch. You can't all like, and that's why I think you they got it too. You can set up, a, you can set up a UFC on Fox with a belt, but not, but not everything you can set up with a belt. So I think kind of pandering to the casuals like that. Not that we shouldn't like go for them, but I, I, I just think in the end it's going to eat itself because what happens when you don't have a belt? You're just going to set that card up to be shit. I think you pander to the casuals. The more, the more I realize, I, I I'm okay with pandering to them, but not, not demeaning them almost as like a viewer. Like I think we can get to a point where the sport is the spectacle not the gold and then the gold's the payoff for investing your time to watch the other lower cards and that's how we all got into it right like i'm totally into brunson versus uh souza but even though there's not a belt on the line but if you're just if you're pandering to the lowest denominator of this is gold in my opinion you're, you're just doing them a disservice because they're only gonna they're only gonna yeah. tune in for the gold and then if they have one bad card where the the title fight's not exciting if it's uh thompson versus uh, Woodley, where like they're not seeing what's going on with it, and they're like, "This is what it is." You lose them. Yeah, and that's true. And as of late, a lot of the cards with no names on there have been more exciting than the, you know the big pay per view cards. And I mean, but if you're casual, you don't you don't know that those hungry up and comers are always going to not always be, but usually are going to be more exciting. I mean, even Stipe versus even Stipe versus Naganu for us was exciting. But anyone that doesn't know anything about it just sees two guys that are gassed within the second round. And so, I mean, I agree. I I agree. I just I wish, I wish that there were more casuals that were being converted into actual fans. And 
I honestly, that's the whole thing, right, that the UFC is trying to figure out as well. And Bellator is trying to figure out even how to get the middle hardcore fan to watch their cards on a, you know, Friday night or well, Saturday. I mean, we do a podcast and I don't, we don't, yeah. we don't really watch it. We did because we, we planned to watch the fights last week. And we all and we sat down and we just so happened to be able to get both of them because one was on Paramount Network and the other one we paid for on pay per view. Um, but so it just how happened to work out that way. Uh, but I mean, normally if they were competing and we had to pay for both of them, we're never going to yeah. go Bellator. I don't well, care who's well, on the card. Well, Bellator knows that they're not, they're never right. going to compete dollar for dollar. If there's any card that could have, it would was the McDonald Chandler, uh, T or not Tito, sorry, Chell versus Rampage card. Because people from the Aaron UFC Pico. know who those guys are. And, I mean, then you have the guys that are waking up and watching ACB out in Russia and the one cards and all of the weird random cards in there. I mean, Camposa on, on Twitter and, like, those guys are crazy. That's all they do is find those weird underground cards to watch. And when they're on and they're tweeting about them, I go find them and watch them on a Saturday morning at, you know, 9 a.m. My wife goes to work and I watch a Russian MMA card, like, I, I enjoy it. Like, I watched the one card, what, two weeks ago after the UFC card it was on, mm-hmm. and I watched, uh, not Takashi. There was a guy that used to be in the UFC. Anyway, long story short, when people tweet out about him, I've got nothing else going on. I would watch fights above anything else almost mm-hmm. every time. So two things. Um, there's actually something else I wanted to touch on, and I can't remember what it was. But uh, Nate Diaz, let's go here. and Nate I Nick. remember the one. He doesn't care. It's he okay. doesn't care. That's we did talk about that too. He really does seem, even though they play the bad guys, it's like when we watched the freaking documentary in the room, and they're like, "Oh no, he should play a bad guy. He should be a vampire, or he should be a bad guy." And he's like, "I don't want to play the bad guy." The documentary, or the wow, well, the 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 disaster art, artist, which mm. was a, a mockumentary documentary, so good, but. You know, the Diaz brothers just play bad guys so well that I, they're almost pushed into that, that character. But everyone that knows them is like, they're the nicest guys I've ever met. And then Nate Diaz being like, yeah, people will come up to me all the time and call me Nick. And he's like, I don't care. As long as they know one of us, is, <laughs> I'm fine with it. But anyway, so he tweeted out, and this is going to be edited for, you know, the podcast. Sick of sitting around waiting for you efforts to do shit i feel i can say that there's no excitement in this fight shit step your games up i'll see you around may june sincerely the real champ so he's been sitting around doing nothing while eddie fights while you know most of the rest of that division dustin poirier's fighting michael johnson's fighting tony's fighting the rest of that division basically him and connor are the only ones sitting around doing nothing i feel like it's when kendrick dropped the the control verse and it's fun because then everybody gets to start talking but eddie alvarez is 100 percent right like you don't get to say all of you are shit but i'm only gonna fight one of you <laughs> like and it's connor like essentially is what he's saying um or i would assume khabib or tony at this point but you don't get to say that because everybody's tied up and you know it and it's nate diaz i, I can't tell him what he can do he will he do whatever the hell i he think want. he takes a fight he knows he can win his first fight back I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he gives a shit. I think he just wants to get paid. Yeah, because he doesn't beat Tony. He doesn't beat Khabib. Oh, I think he very much could beat Tony. You think? I don't think he does, but he, I, I think it's a lot more even than everybody, everybody thinks. Um, I mean, he's still like a 500 fighter, so Tony definitely gets the nod, but he has tools to beat him. He's good enough. I think he's a 500 fighter because he doesn't really care. Mm. He's not driven by being the, the greatest that has ever existed. And so I think that's, I think that's kind of where it comes in, and I, I mean that's why I don't think he cares if he wins or not. I just yeah exactly, and I think he comes in with like I don't know what else I'd do. Like if I didn't do MMA and I didn't do mixed martial mixed martial arts, I just don't know what else I would do. Triathlons. Yeah, I mean he is an athlete, and so uh, yeah no it is fun, and this is what he does. This is what Diaz does. He talks shit on everybody. They're and probably just it. high at their house, and we're like laughing about uh, it. In all honesty. What's this? What's this? I'm gonna I'm gonna break the the MMA internet right here. Him and his laugh. <laughs> I mean, most likely in May June. That doesn't necessarily make sense. I imagine him coming back for International Fight Week as well. Mm-hmm. And most likely he'll take a he'll take a FS1 card and he'll and he'll no no what so but hear me out hear me out. 
International Fight Week is usually what? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. and They Sunday. did that once. It may or may not. They did that once. But they, so they still could, right? Sunday would be an international card. Uh, Saturday would be in Vegas. And then... I don't think it'll be... Because last year when they did it, it was Demetrius versus um, Tim Elliott. And then they had the other... So, But they're not going to do that with Stipe and... And Cormier. Uh, in Cormier, obviously, that, that's going to be, be in the States. Well, and that's going to be that's going to be Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. Obviously, that's that's the main card. So they might do a double, but I don't think they're going to do a triple. I don't think there was enough success there. And they don't really have enough. If they did a 209 card or sorry, they did a 209, meaning the zip code, like they put it up towards Stockton, California or close to Stockton in, a, in an arena. They headlight it with Nate Diaz and they can throw anyone else they want on that card on a Friday. Saturdays in Vegas, and then Sunday could be international, and they could do three in a row. No, no, Sunday or Saturday is always international. Saturday's the big card. But this one, there's no way that 226 is international. It's going to be in Vegas if it's Steve A in DC. Well, they don't usually go international. It's called International Fight Week yeah, yeah, just because yeah. it's. But because they always do the fan expo, one, I thought they did one one outside of like. It's not going to be the main one though, because it's yeah, yeah yeah they do the fan expos and stuff where everybody comes in. Um, because it's it's you know it's the Fourth of July and everything they can yeah. get a lot of eyes. There's a lot of people in Vegas. It's people always in Vegas. Yeah, there might be one card outside of it, but the International Fight Week is like we talk about. It's they usually just do the they show out and have a ton of different nationalities on the card. So imagine they get oh, but Khabib might not be able to fight during Ramadan in July. But I don't know when Ramadan is this year. Regardless, I don't think he could make weight or he wouldn't be all trained up. Right? I don't know. I have no idea. Well, um, what I'm what I'm thinking is two twenty six. Steve A in DC Saturday Sunday, Connor versus Khabib in Russia. That's never gonna no. <laughs> they will this the Saturday is the main event. Nope, you're wrong. Nope. <laughs> you're so. No, they're wrong. not gonna do it. I'm just saying. What if what what if they did? That would be stupid. Connor versus Nate in Ireland. No. No, that's they take that they card. Can, you think they cannibalize the cards? Yeah, they can both pay. Yeah, there's you can't have two pay per views in a weekend. Wouldn't be pay per view. What they are getting? Fox. They are getting paid for a Connor card. It would be whoever buys out the new contract. They would get it. Mm-mm. You're crazy. You're crazy. Snitches be crazy. Um, well, I, and by the way, my my prediction's already wrong. Which was what? My bold prediction that we weren't going to get Tony and Khabib, and then <laughs> they get Tony year. versus Connor in International Fight Week, and then they're going to fight at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, I was 100 percent wrong. Um. Almost immediately, they were like, "Uh." "And my prediction was Khabib was going to be Tony, and then it was going to be Conor versus Khabib in Russia." I think that could happen. Quote me on that. That could happen. I don't remember, but that's probably what it was. Because Conor wouldn't be back till the end of the year, which means Ramadan and everything would pass. Khabib would have the belt and be sitting on it, and then Conor could come back end of the year for his birthday. For his birthday, and for the not his the UFC's birthday, November. So there's that. Yeah, Nate Diaz. I mean, do Give you do you care to watch him? Kevin Lee. Yeah, that would be fun. But Bad do you really do you really care to see him come back against anyone but Connor? Yeah, I actually don't want him to fight Connor again for a while. I want that to be the trilogy at the very end to kind of do the tiebreaker before one of them retire. Uh, yeah. Um, I, like there's no belt on the line. Uh, and just run it back one more time. Um, yeah, I uh, I do want to see him against Kevin Lee. I'd uh, be cool. Alvarez. At, 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 I'm really at some Barbosa. Tony. That'd be a yeah, hard one for him. Darren Darush, but he's not a big enough name. Benil Darush. Mm. Um, that division is stacked. stacked. Yeah. Crazy stacked. I mean, you, you don't have him fight Michael Johnson because that's the one he, he choked out last and he's kind of on a skid, so it, it doesn't really get you anything. Uh, there was one other also, thing. Also, he has fights at about. 170. Don't forget about that. He could fight at 170. He could do Michael yeah. Masvidal or. Uh, RDA. Uh, I think they've already said... He's going to get the title shot. Is he? I think so. And then you could also do a him versus Till. Yeah. Except for they're saying that the him versus Wonderboy, they're saying is Thompson versus all Till. the signed by Wonderboy, but it's pretty much it's pretty much done. They're just waiting for Wonderboy to say, yeah. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm Wonderboy, I'm not worried about that fight at all. He's like everyone else he's already fought. Yeah. He's a little bit longer, but... I think Mosby Dahl and him are, are very different strikers, but similar strikers. 
Uh, I think because he's saying he's the best striker in the UFC. Till is Darren Till, not Nate Diaz. We're talking about Darren Till. Yeah. He's saying he's the best striker in the UFC, and he wants to surpass Connor. Um, blah blah blah. Yeah, never gonna happen. But you lost, um, you lost to Nicholas Dalby by decision when you gave up the fight. And eh, then, Connor lost too, though. And then well, and then Dalby went on like a three fight skid. I mean, Connor lost to a guy that nobody knows about. Which guy? Name Duffy? me who he is. Duffy? No. Connor lost to Nate Diaz. No, before that. Joe Duffy. Was that when, when they were not even in the UFC? Yeah, and Duffy submitted him because like, he was the last one to beat Connor before they got to the I'm UFC. Wrong. So You're up on your Duffy's. I didn't even think it was Duffy. There was another guy way before that in Cage Warriors. Is that what it was? Is that yeah, because yeah, now they always joke because he lost his like first or second fight. And then he won the, the Cage Warrior 145 belt, and then won the Cage Warrior 155 belt, did not defend either of them, then came to the UFC, fought his way up, made the, won the 145 belt, well, didn't defend that, and went to 155. I think losing early on is the best thing that can happen to fighters. Oh, yeah. That's what I think is the best thing to happen to Aaron Pico. But, so he's saying he is the best striker, and it's like, all right, you think you are? Here's this. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different style that you have to deal with. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I still think that Wonderboy wins. It just, I don't really see it going on the other way. But if he's saying that he's that, and then he goes in and he, he knocks out Wonder Boy, boom, you got a star. Good, he is real. Yeah. Good for him if he does, and good for English MMA. He seems like Bisbing's going to retire, and you need somebody to, to lift that mantle. He seems like, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, he kind of talks the talk, he walks the walk, he, and he will fight anybody. Oh, yeah. He hasn't said, like, the last week, like, yeah, if Wonderboy doesn't sign, yeah, I'll fight him. He reminds, fight me, of, him. He reminds fight me of the soccer hooligan that you do not want to run into. Yeah, it doesn't look like it, and you just made the worst mistake yeah. of your life. Yeah, and he has a temper, and his friends are going to have to pull him off of you because they're scared, yeah, they're complicit in the murder that's to about to jail. happen. Yeah, yeah, yep. he's yep. the straight green, green street hooligan over there. Uh, that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about because I know that you're going to absolutely hate this, and I want to hear your opinion on it. They're saying that Michael Bisbing versus Rashad Evans in London in, like, I don't know. Why do I hate that? Two to three months. Because it's going to headline, too. I don't care. I mean, Bisbing, he lost his last fight. Rashad's on, like, a three-fight losing streak. What's the point of having them fight? Last time they fought, Rashad beat him by split decision, I believe. And then he ended up going for the, the, the title. Just to get a fight for Bisbing on a, an, another person that has a name that carries some weight so that he can go out with some dignity because Vitor pulled out. Cause it's, it's oh, Vitor pulled out? I thought Bisbing said he didn't wipe that fight. Yeah, that's what happened. What, who pulled out against Bisbing? Before he fought. Got, before he fought didn't he lose a I he can't lost right the ga- he, like he lost the GSP. He lost the Gastelum. I'm going to sound like an idiot. Gastelum stepped if, in last minute, I believe. I thought that somebody... No. Bisbing stepped in against Gastelum last minute. Right. That's right. what it was. I, and I don't know because he's saying he might be done. His family's telling him to be done, but he wants one more. And then I thought that the London was completely off the table. Honestly, I don't. I think they build a card around Bisbing in London. That's if fine. If he's going to retire, I think that they do that for him. That's fine. He's the only reason that the, the UFC is what it is in the UK, him and Dan Hardy. I, I feel like you let him pick his fight yep. and you thank him for everything that he's done and welcome him in as an analyst or commentating or whatever it's going to be. Do you think he comes down when he's not fighting anymore? No. He's still an ass? Yeah. He still tells, tells everyone he can beat him? He'll still tell he everybody that he's a, he's an inch away from, from coming out of retirement to beat their ass. Yeah, no, he's he'll never shut up. No. Speaking of coming out of retirement and moving right along, Matt Brown versus Carlos Condit. It's cool. I like that. It's a good fight. It'll oh, the other one I was going to say, speaking of the middleweights, um, this is why I started watching Tough 3 because it blew my mind. I didn't figure out that Borjashinha was Paulo Costa from uh, from Tough. Yeah, you brought this up like the last three podcasts in a row. No, I didn't bring this up in the podcast. I texted you about it because I didn't even, I've watched it this last week. Did he change his name? No. He just, Borjashinha is his nickname. And and that's what maybe I did talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But then it's Paulo Costa. He loses to... Horseface, right? No. They're not even the same weight division. Oh, yeah, because Horseface um, was heavyweight. He fought essentially like a, what I would think was a 170. He's called Lyoto Machida, essentially lookalike. He's, his nickname is Lyota. Lyoto. Lyoto. Um, but oh, Lyoto. he had no cardio, and he got outstruck. And he's actually a jiu-jitsu guy, and I think he's been knocking everybody out, most people out. Yeah, and the only true. loss that he had, they considered on Wikipedia an exhibition. It was the tough fight, and it was nuts because he, he was like throwing up in the corner. But... It's nuts to me that he's been the most successful one leaving it, except for maybe Warley Alves, who's been 
pretty good. He only had a couple. Warlia Alves lost to Brian Barbarina. That's like the only bad loss. <sighs> Everything else has been, yeah. and they're all by decisions. And he's got some pretty big wins too. Um, like he beat Colby, Colby Covington. Yeah, yeah. So like, but years and years and years ago. But yeah. I didn't, and I just didn't put that. That was Paulo Costa, and it's like he kind of did look the part. And now it's like he one hundred percent is. Is he two hundred five now? No, he's he one eighty five. He's middleweight, right? Because that's, that's Hendricks is at one eighty five because he was at one seventy and they made right, him go up. And he right. was, his last one was Hendricks, and everyone was joking. It was the your dad versus your boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the Leoto. I, I've never seen him again in the UFC. I don't think he fights. He's kind of the exact same karate style as Machida too. It was interesting. Um, sorry, I got us off track again. What were we talking about? Uh, Bisping, and then I don't know. Doesn't matter. Moving on to this week's card: Machida versus Anders. This is weird, man. For Anders, I think he's on his third UFC fight, and he's looked good, but he he looks very green. Yep, mm-hmm. this will be his third one. So he beat Rafael Natal, which is great because Rafael Natal obviously has been around forever. And has fought everybody, and he knocked him out in the first round. But I feel like anyone can really, I mean, anyone that's just explosive can can catch anybody, right? Then he, he beat Marcus Perez in the last fight. This is the one we just watched, and he beat him by decision, which is great. One knockout, one fight by decision. I think that's a, a great way to go. Mm-hmm. They're throwing him straight to the deep end because no matter what, Leota Machida is going to be a difficult person to fight. Yeah. And especially when you're an aggressive, explosive fighter and Leota Machida is a counter striker that has done pretty well against other counter strikers. This is going to be not a make or break it moment for, for Anders. He either is going to get launched into stardom or he's going to have to go back, readjust and, you know, come back. He's 10 and 0, right? So the best thing that can most likely happen is for him to lose a lose a split decision or a unanimous decision to Leo Machida so he can, you know, get 25, 25 minutes in. He can find out where his his weaknesses are. He can readjust, and the rest of his career is nothing but uphill. Mm-hmm. However, we got another Francis Nagano on our hands. The kid's from Alabama. He's an ex-football player, super explosive, fun to watch. Um, Do you train if, on the ground? And if he wins, yeah, I mean, he, he wrestles enough, I think. So I he's think he's not. He actually won his second fight by uh, decision with with one takedown per round. And I think he was just scoring the points. But uh, Leona Machida hasn't won since 2014. He beat C.B. Dalloway. Then he lost to Luke Rockhold. He he lost to to Yoel Romero. And he lost to Derek Brunson. Submission to Rockhold. uh, K.O. to Yoel Romero. And K.O. to Derek Brunson. Those are tough guys. Oh, no. Those are the best of the best. Those are tough. I mean, and that was after he had beat C.B. Dalloway and he had lost to Chris Weidman for the belt. Mm-hmm. And he had beat Mark Munoz half to death right and before and, that. And Weidman doesn't count because he's the Brazilian killer. He is. Anybody's is. Brazilian. Can't beat anybody outside of that sense. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. Chris, you're great. And your dad loves you. You're still my boy. Um, yeah, no, that's a tough... 185, yeah, it's... It's been more interesting lately. I still think it's like top heavy, but I think all the divisions. There's life without Connor at the one forty five, one fifty five. There's life without. I mean Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. There's life without GSP. John Jones. John Jones. There's not much life without yet. And we got some things to figure out. Oh, you mean there will be yeah. like there's there is a future without these people because you kind of get nervous. Like, wh- how long is it going to take to build some stars? And we're starting to make some. Well, and the fact is, is there's starting to actually be money behind this. I mean, people were fighting like Chell talks about when he's a quest for like a thousand dollars a fight, and they would fight three to four times in a night because you just wanted to fight and you wanted to make money doing what you loved. And now that there's more money, I mean, Eric Anders is literally the perfect example of the the best 205 or or best 185, 205 or above ex-collegiate um, football player that knows how to build lean mass and be explosive. You know, we talked about this the other day. Football players would make great 
great UFC fighters because they're explosive, whether it be in takedowns I think or they make compelling. I don't know about good because I don't think the cardio is there. In this. You, you have to trade because some off. Because it's quick, right? In my, in my ignorance, I've played a little bit of football, and I've played soccer, and I've done some MMA training. I felt like I was more out of shape playing football. And that wasn't out of shape, but it's like because yeah. it's all explosivity and how yep. much you can pack into that quick punch. But that doesn't lend well to per play. And I understand that's at the much higher levels. They're way more in shape than I ever was. I get that. But just kind of broadly speaking, it lends itself to compelling MMA because of the explosiveness and everything. But it, I think we have to get to a point where we're starting to train people and not trying to pull them from other sports that they've been to, try to get them before they've been there. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. You always have both. I think you're always yeah. going to have – your. You're always going to – I think MMA now, people can start training at a young age, but we're still in the careers of I did karate or I did BJJ or I played football or I did this and I came over. Um, We are seeing more people that now in their 20s, 21, 22, 23, that are pure mixed martial arts based. Yeah. Coker was talking about how he trains high level at all of them. Like in a day, he'll do 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. He'll go over to – one of the boxing gyms, and then he'll With go. With Freddie Roach. No, it wasn't Roach. I'm sure he's been there, but it, well, the one that he was mentioning wasn't. I was going to say, but he trains with Roach. Yeah. Um, and then he'll go over to some uh, wrestling place. It's like he's crazy. And that's that's the next generation. It's like they will be so proficient at everything. It's, it's going to be exactly what we're seeing. If you're like a casual fan, you won't. Even me, I, I can't. I'm not that great of an analyst, right? I'm going to look at something and it's going to almost look the same. But if you're like high level, like DC, Dominic Cruz, you're going to be seeing these insane techniques from people everywhere the fight goes. It's, it's going like, to be crazy. It's like, it's, sky, be it's like skydiving, right? Where skydiving, it looks like those people, it's very, very simple. You just jump out of a plane. But any little movement and any little change in degree shifts everything about where you're going and your trajectory. And making a, a link between that, I think that's, like you said, that's what MMA is going to become. People are going to be wrestling. They're going to be standing. And that one small movement or that one small degree change is going to be the difference in a fight. And you won't see it until it happens and the fight's over. Mm-hmm. Um, Leona Machida, way back in the day, probably about six months ago, said, um, this is fighting. It's not about like full-on competition. It's more about, uh, more about entertainment. Um, referring to USADA and all the drug testing. So, I mean, the UFC technically is giving him exactly what they want. This is a spectacle. Um, I don't know how much longer he's going to be fighting for, especially with all of his brothers coming up and fighting and everything as well in Bellator. But it's weird to think in three years, from 2014 to 2018, but end of 17, how quickly MMA changed. Jones was out. Anderson was no longer, you know, the top of his game. Leota Machida was no longer the top of his game. And everything in those divisions changed. Connor ran through those divisions. Like, in three years, everything has been more or less flipped on its head, which is a pretty good cycle. I would say every two to three years, that's pretty much how it's kind of happened. We're talking about this in text. We were talking about Jones going up to heavyweight. Um, And that's what I kind of feel like this is an F you to Jones. Because Stipe is kind of a perfect matchup for him. Mm -hmm. It's a length battle. Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of perfect for Jones almost, if he could put on the weight. Um, And DC is getting it. So it's like... I kind of love it, but um, it's everything. Connor changed the trajectory of the sport. Uh, Brock changed the trajectory of the sport. Like all these little instances, everything changes it, and you'll never know. Well, it was even when Liddell came in and beat Tito. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Tito was the man, and then Liddell came in and beat him. And then, you know, Liddell ended up losing to Rashad. And for you know, and Forrest, and all of these people, and Liddell was the man; he was unbeatable, you know. And so it's interesting how quickly it seems like the guys at the top, as soon as they lose to that high level, if they don't get their way back within one or two fights, they never get back to that point. And I think this is you. I mean, you see a lot of things in football. Other than Robbie Lawler, I can't think of anyone that was down and out that has come back significantly. Bisbing. Yeah, but as much as I love Bisbing, uh, that was a lot of luck and a lot of just being ready to step into the big fight. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's that story, though. And that's why I think Gaslam could potentially win the title before the end of the year. 
Just four, being in the right place at the right time. Or in four years, five years. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be around a while. He doesn't get knocked out, so he's pretty safe. Uh, speaking of which, um, way back in the Affliction days, Elite XC, everyone always talks about how Roy Nelson wasn't finished until just like recently or whatever it was. Uh, Andre Lasky knocked him out in Elite XC, which is crazy to me. Uh-huh. God. MMA's been – I mean, and that dude's still around. Anyway. Uh, there was one thing that we missed, and I can't remember what it was. I'm I'm somewhat excited for this weekend coming. Uh, the fights coming up this weekend. It's going to be in Brazil. Um, Brazil. A lot of up and comers. So go and we'll fight Johnson. Anybody that I anybody that in Brazil anymore. <laughs> they don't. Just BJJ and the women do steroids. Huh? The women do. I don't know what the reference is. They only have women champions. Uh. <laughs> No, they have to fight each other, but they only want to do it if they get a big card. So Tiago Santos is on this card. He's always fun. He's got a big freaking Thor hammer on his chest now, apparently. Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith is actually one of those dudes that I could see actually making a run. Um, he lost like four in a row. I don't it, know that guy. It looked like he was going to get cut. I know him because every time I watched him fight, I was always excited, and then he would always end up losing. Um, but he's gone three in a row. He beat your boy Andrew Sanchez. From mm. the last tough. But he lost Two to... Yeah. He lost to a Gracie. So anyway, long story short, he went basically 500. And he's won his last three fights. And he really seems motivated to come out and do stuff. Did you see that girl that... Ch- I was thinking because you said Gracie. And I think thinking Gracie Baja. Did you see that girl? Um, I can't remember which promotion it was. But she choked the girl out right at the third bell. Like out. This is just recently. Yeah, it was like she was out cold. Because there was one that and I saw like lost. six months ago. Did she end up losing? Yeah, maybe it's the same one. I just barely saw it on MMA. Yeah, it was like Bellator. It was like a Bellator card. No, it wasn't Bellator. Um, Cage Warriors. It wasn't UFC. No, it, no, it was. I think it was a like a regional card. But she, yeah, she chokes the girl out and then like cold, <laughs> and she still lost the fight. Yeah, because they, she didn't tap in the card. That yep, I did see that actually. And she lost by decision. So Chito Vera is on this card, who I really enjoy. The Ecuadorian. Yuri Alcantara is on this card. I don't know who these two dudes are. Tim Means is on this card. Anthony, but yeah. Um, Desmond Green's on this card. Shevchenko's on this card. I didn't know that, actually. Who's Priscilla Cochera? Cochera Anyway. And then John Dotson will also be on this card against a uh, 15-2 and two guy, Pedro Munoz. Well, he's back now. Probably still kicking people in the crotch. But no, so I mean, I'm interested in this card. I'm most likely going to watch it. Why didn't we wait to finish it. Royal Rumble? Ra- Ronda showed up. Oh, the female Royal Rumble. She didn't win, though, did she? Uh, Ex-UFC champ Ronda Rousey joins WWE. Rousey makes WWE debut. She's just pointing at WrestleMania. Uh... Everyone said that she was going to come out this this week. Boom, she did it. I got to go watch that 30-woman Royal Rumble. My wife knew why I wanted to watch it, and we kept looking at me like, oh, 30 she's women, got her, huh? She got, she's doing the uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Well, because that's where he, I he, he, I was going to say, he gave her the her before he died, I know. But she's do, she's playing that up. And she's with some weird-looking divas that I've never seen before. So she, she didn't. So she didn't actually fight then, right? Or she didn't get involved. I don't in know. The, I can't. I can't tell. She's just pointing at the WrestleMania. Looks like she's hyping that. So she's probably going. She's probably going to have her first match at. And apparently, Derek Lewis is out here six hours ago, working out on speed. He's doing push-ups in front of a rattlesnake. Oh my goodness! So that's probably Venom then. I don't know. That's just on a track at a high school. I wouldn't imagine that he would actually get that close. CBS Sports, Royal Rumble. Let's hit this real quick, especially if... uh, 30-man Royal Rumble. Sheamus got thrown out. Rey Mysterio. We actually watched Royal. Well, I watched a lot of the Royal Rumble. Tag Team Championship, Universal Championship. Oh man, we missed the Brock Lesnar fight too. I 
That's funny because I haven't seen this in forever. Holy crap. Here we are. Oh, it ranked a B minus. Lesnar left with the title. Strowman stood tall to scream, and Lesnar again didn't beat him. But apparently he did. 30, 30 woman Royal Rumble. Charlotte Flair, SmackDown, Booker T. God, man, they look like they're a lot more high flying than the dudes were. All they've got is gifts of all of these girls on the top rope. Good for the, good for them. Good for them too for having thirty spot, thirty spots for women. I mean, why is he going to talk about freaking Roddy Roddy Piper? Ronda Rousey's debut. Here we go. So this is from CBS Sports. After the match, Bliss and Flair, whoever they are, made their way into the ring with Asuka, looking back and forth between the two as they held their championships high at the moment. Bad reputation hit, of course, and Rousey made her way to the ring. Rousey entered the ring, pointed at the WrestleMania side, and went to shake Asuka's hand, only for Asuka to slap it away. She again pointed at the sign and left the ring, heading to the ringside to shake McMahon's hand before smiling, waving to the crowd, hitting some fan hands, and leaving. So they didn't even have her talk? They didn't even have her do a shtick? Less is more. She's in a gigantic leather jacket that doesn't fit her. Uh, hold on, we'll, we'll stop this. Well, let's roll this, and then we'll watch this together. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to uh, tell your friends, subscribe, do all those great things. And as, that might oh, legitimately be Rowdy Rowdy Piper's jacket. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it could be, which would make a lot more sense as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.